What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Speed of Sound is a production of iHeartRadio. Okay, let's kick things off with a pop quiz today. Name a chart-topping song that was the perfect combination of pop culture meets pop music with a dash of horror and a splash of comedy to spare. Hint, it was a parody of a popular dance craze and a tribute to a completely separate cultural fad. Extra hint, this monster hit shot to the highest reaches of the charts not once, but twice. Okay, I know that's all too easy, and by now I'm sure you know that on today's episode we'll find out how The Monster Mash became a monster smash and a number one record. I'm Steve Greenberg, and this is Speed of Sound. In the early 1960s, the U.S. was in the midst of a huge craze for classic movie monsters. This was due to Universal Pictures' library of classic monster movies from the 1930s and 40s becoming available for the first time on television. We're talking classic monsters like Frankenstein, Dracula, the Wolfman, or the Mummy. Picture any of those monsters in your mind, and it's pretty likely you're imagining the version from those Universal movies. Now, from 1931 through the early 50s, Universal made over three dozen movies featuring these characters and others. Universal actually started making monster movies in the silent era, but the first monster talkie was Frankenstein, starring Boris Karloff, in 1931. The spine-tingling, blood-chilling story that stuns your emotions. Frankenstein. It's alive. It's alive. It's alive. It's alive. Boris Karloff's distinctive voice would play a major role in the song The Monster Mash decades later. And of course, he's gone down in history as the quintessential monster movie actor. First, I'd like to salute the monster who really is the best friend I ever had. He changed the whole course of my life, because up to that time, I was just a struggling, unknown actor. 
Frankenstein was a smash hit, so Universal quickly followed it with Dracula, starring the Hungarian-born actor Bela Lugosi. Dracula. The very mention of the name brings to mind things so evil, so fantastic, so degrading. You wonder if it isn't all a dream, a nightmare. I am Dracula. These were followed in rapid succession by films featuring The Mummy, The Invisible Man, and The Wolfman. And then came the sequels, like Bride of Frankenstein and Dracula's Daughter. Then, something unprecedented in movies happened. Universal started to team up characters from the different monster movies with each other. The first crossover was Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman in 1943. There's a curse upon me. I change into a wolf. The next year saw the release of House of Frankenstein, which featured Frankenstein, of course, along with The Wolfman, Dracula, The Mummy, and The Invisible Man. These films actually comprise the first shared cinematic universe, the kind of thing that Marvel movies do today, with the same characters, and the same actors, appearing in each other's films. Universal made quite a few of these crossover films, and then, when the formula started to feel stale... They played the whole thing for laughs in 1948 by casting their iconic monsters in the film Abbott and Costello Meet Frankenstein, starring the famous comedy duo. The nation's top comics, Abbott and Costello, petrified but hilariously. Plus the dangerous and terrifying Wolfman, played by Lon Chaney. Plus that fiend out of a nightmare, the vampire Batman, Count Dracula, played by Bela Lugosi. Plus the most dreaded creature of them all, the Frankenstein monster, played by Glenn Strange. Plus a couple of luscious but designing females in the spookiest laugh fest on record. That film was so successful that Universal made sequels, teaming Abbott and Costello with Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and The Mummy. Abbott and Costello even did a film where they meet Boris Karloff himself. That film was entitled, What Else?, Abbott and Costello meet the killer, Boris Karloff. This bellboy will commit suicide tonight, and this will be found beside the body. Suicide? I have ways. In 1957, Universal made available their library of monster films to television stations across the country. This gave the young baby boomers their first exposure to the classic film versions of Frankenstein, The Wolfman, Dracula, The Mummy, plus their various spouses and offspring, and they were an instant hit. Universal syndicated these films as a package under the title Shock Theater. In most markets, Shock Theater aired late at night on the weekend, and in each city there was a spooky, costumed host introducing the film. The most famous of these hosts was a man named John Zacherly, who began hosting Shock Theater in Philadelphia when the show debuted. On Shock Theater, Zacherly played a character named Roland, who lived inside a crypt and who dressed in a long undertaker's robe. He did spooky monologues between commercial breaks, where he'd do things like explore coffins or mix potions. Well, let's just try a little bubbly oil. Nothing, nothing. The whole fault was egos. 
he didn't get me a carbonated mailman like he promised. Besides that, he was hiding the greatest ingredient of all, bone dust. Zachary was a good friend of Dick Clark, whose TV show American Bandstand was broadcast out of Philadelphia. Dick Clark nicknamed Zachary the Cool Ghoul, and he introduced him to the people at Cameo Parkway Records, the local Philadelphia label that a couple of years later put out Chubby Checker's recording of The Twist. We, of course, discussed the relationship between Dick Clark and Cameo Parkway Records in our episode on The Twist. In 1958, Zachary went into the studio with Cameo Parkway producer Dave Appel, the same man who later produced The Twist, and cut the record Dinner with Drac, which was a kind of proto-monster mash. Dracula, old friend, how are things in Transylvania? (laughs) After Zachary performed the song on American Bandstand, the record shot up the chart, reaching number six on Billboard. After tasting that national success, Zachary moved to New York, where he hosted a rival horror movie package called Chiller Theater. And over the years, he became a real icon of campy horror. The popularity of the Universal Monsters kept building over the next several years, until by the early 60s, there was a full-blown monster craze underway in the country. Garlou the Terrible! Who can stop him? Who can control this monstrous creature? You can, kids, because Great Garlou by Marx is yours to command. With these battery-operated controls, you can make Garlou go, stop, bend, pick up, turn. There was this popular monthly magazine devoted to the craze called Famous Monsters of Filmland, which spawned a host of imitators. A slew of rival movie packages arose across the country to rival Shock Theater and Chiller Theater. Plus, there were trading cards, posters, and lunchboxes, all adorned with the images of the Universal Monsters. And in 1961, the Aurora Plastics Corporation, the people who manufactured kits for building model airplanes and cars, the kind you glued together with model airplane glue, started releasing movie monster model kits, under license from Universal Pictures, of course. The Aurora Frankenstein model kit was the hottest Christmas toy of 1961 for young boys. And in 1962, Aurora followed up by releasing Dracula and the Wolfman as models. It was in the midst of this monster mania that a young Massachusetts native named Bobby Pickett hit upon the idea of Monster Mash. Pickett was an aspiring actor and comedian who specialized in impressions. And while waiting for his big break in Hollywood, he made a living singing in clubs with a group called The Cordials. And as part of his act, he would do impressions of movie actors. With monster movies all the rage, Pickett began to do imitations of the stars of those movies in his act. One night, he impersonated Boris Karloff during his group's performance of the hit song by the Diamonds, Little Darling. My darling, I need you to call my own and never do wrong. And the audience reaction was so strong that Pickett started thinking, Hey, maybe I should try and write an original song about movie monsters. And I can sing it in the voice of Boris Karloff. Now, Bobby Pickett, by this point, already had some experience making records. 
Early in 1962, the Cordials had gone into the studio to record a song called The International Twist, which was an unsuccessful attempt to cash in on the twist craze. Well, around and around and around the world, no matter where you happen to go, the international twist is at the top of the list. From Memphis to Tokyo. Well, that twist ain't in a game The International Twist was produced by an L.A.-based producer named Gary S. Paxton, who'd actually had a number one record a couple of years earlier as lead singer of a non-existent group called the Hollywood Argyles. Their record was called Alley Oop, and it was the story of a caveman who was the title character in a very popular newspaper comic strip of that era. Well, this cat's name is uh, Alley Oop. He got a chauffeur that's a genuine dinosaur. Bobby Pickett felt that if Gary S. Paxton could have a hit about a cartoon caveman, he could do the same with a song about movie monsters. Pickett sat down with another member of the Cordials to write a song which imagined the universal monsters all attending a dance party. And then Bobby Pickett had his stroke of genius. Coming up next, pop music and pop culture collide and make a surprising hit song. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Rain or shine, every day is a great day for fishing, right? You got rain gear, but you can't overlook sunny day gear. A Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie has you covered on the sunniest days. Like literally. I mean, who wouldn't trade a sunburn for a trophy fish? But why do it if you don't have to? Especially when this Solar Stream Elite hoodie is built with broad spectrum UV protection. We're talking UPF 50. And it has airflow so you don't overheat. And what's the alternative? Putting down the rod every half hour so you can slather on some sunscreen. Seems like an easy choice to me. Columbia PFG has you covered with their Castback TC shoe. Its OmniMax cushioning and traction system helps if you're on your feet a lot, say, fighting a fish. Not to mention keeping you sure-footed on a wet, rocking boat. So if you're going to be spending long days out on the water, and I sincerely hope that you will be, head over to Columbia.com PFG and shop all their performance fishing gear. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. 
Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Nineteen sixty-two was the golden age of dance crazes in America, with the massive success of the twist leading to a slew of new dances: the Holly Gully, the Monkey, the Watusi. And each one of those dances had a hit record telling you how to do it. One of the biggest of the dance craze songs was called Mashed Potato Time, and it promoted a dance called the Mashed Potatoes. Coincidentally, Mashed Potato Time was released by the same Cameo Parkway record label that released Dinner with Drac four years earlier. But more importantly, it was also the same label that had released the record that ignited the whole 60s dance craze explosion in the first place, Chubby Checker's The Twist. After the twist success, Chubby Checker released a string of follow-up twist records, and one of those records was called Slow Twistin'. Cameo Parkway recorded Slow Twistin' as a duet between Chubby Checker and a 16-year-old local Philadelphia singer named Dion LaRue. Now, Dion LaRue sounds like a pretty good name for a singer, right? But for some reason, the bigwigs at Cameo Parkway decided to rename her Dee Dee Sharp. In truth, though, it didn't really matter what her name was since she went uncredited on Slow Twisting. The label brass were so impressed with Sharp's vocals on Slow Twisting that they immediately brought her back into the studio to cut mashed potato time written by Cal Mann and Bernie Lowe, who had written a lot of the Chubby Checker records. Dee Dee Sharp remembers going into the studio to cut Mashed Potato Time. My mom was there in the studio when I was recording it. My grandmother was there when I was recording it. Mashed Potatoes, are you kidding? It was a hit. Now, Mashed Potato Time itself was written to jump on the bandwagon of the booming popularity of the Mashed Potatoes Dance, which had been invented a few years earlier by none other than the godfather of soul, James Brown. James Brown debuted the Mashed Potatoes in 1959 as part of his live stage act, and audiences went wild. He told his label King Records that he wanted to record an instrumental to cash in on the popularity of the dance. But label boss Sid Nathan said to Mr. Brown, No more instrumentals. Those things don't sell. So James Brown approached Henry Stone, the owner of Dade Records in Miami, with the idea. And to avoid being sued by King Records, he credited the recording to Nat Kendrick and the Swans. Nat Kendrick being the drummer in the James Brown band. Do the Mashed Potatoes became a top 10 R&B hit in 1960 and sowed the seeds for the Mashed Potato dance craze. However, it barely dented the pop chart. This was still a few months prior to the cultural revolution that was the twist, and white America was hardly ready for a dance you danced alone. But in black communities, the dance started to catch on. Then, with dance craze fever in high gear in 1962, the folks at Cameo Parkway, looking for their next dance hit, tweaked the moves of the mashed potato a bit so that they would look a little bit more like the twist. How do you do the mashed potato? Well, There are lots of mashed potato instructional videos on YouTube that can demonstrate it a whole lot better than I can explain it. But it has something to do with seeming like you're mashing potatoes with your heels. Mashed 
Cameo Parkway released Dee Dee Sharp's Mashed Potato Time just a week after Chubby Checker's slow twist, and it was an immediate hit. Musically, the song owed a lot to the Marvelettes' Please Mr. Postman, which had hit number one late in 1961. Please Mr. Postman was, in fact, Motown's first attempt at producing a record you could twist to. Now, I've mentioned before on this series that there's an old record business saying, where there's a hit, there's a writ. It turns out Mashed Potato Time was so similar in melody to Please Mr. Postman that Cameo Parkway was ultimately forced to share writing credit with the five writers of Please Mr. Postman. Let's give a listen. Making the connection even more explicit, Dee Dee Sharp sang this in Mashed Potato Time. Dee Dee Sharp actually name-checked a lot of top hits in the song, instructing her listeners that you could dance the mashed potatoes to the Token's recent number one hit. The Lion Sleeps Tonight, and also to Gary U.S. Bond's hit, Dear Lady Twist. Mashed Potato Time was a smash, going all the way to number one on the R&B chart and peaking at number two on the Hot 100 in the spring of 1962. It would not be long before James Brown responded to these usurpers of his creation by releasing Mashed Potatoes USA, this time under his own name, but his record saw very limited success. I'm gonna mash potatoes. I'm gonna start by going to New York. Soon, lots of other records began to name check the mashed potato. Chris Montez's Let's Dance. The Contours Do You Love Me? Chris Kenner's Land of a Thousand Dances. Connie Francis's V-A-C-A-T-I-O-N. And Sam Cooke's Having a Party. Don't forget the mashed potatoes. No other songs will do. All of those artists subsequently had greater success than James Brown in jumping on the mashed potato bandwagon. By the way, Sam Cooke is such an interesting tangential figure in this story. He was an extremely astute student of pop culture, and he not only singled out the mashed potato in having a party, but he also managed to work Frankenstein into his 1963 hit, Another Saturday Night. Another fella told me he had a sister who looked just fine. Instead of being she had a stranger's to a cat named Frankenstein. 
Dee Sharp followed up the massive success of Mashed Potato Time by releasing the near-sound-alike record Gravy for My Mashed Potatoes. And Gravy also hit the national top ten. So by the time Bobby Pickett decided to make a record about movie monsters in the summer of 1962, not only had Mashed Potato Time saturated the airwaves, but so had most of those other records. The world was as ready as it ever would be for a record that jumped on both the Mashed Potato and the Universal Monster bandwagon at the same time. The scene was rocky, all were digging the sounds. Igor on chains, backed by his baying hounds. The coffin bangers were about to arrive with their vocal group, the Crypt Kicker Five. The chords, melody, piano part, and lyrical structure in Monster Mash are clearly taken from Mash Potato Time, and the wahoo female background vocals are a direct lift of the exact same vocal part that can be found on Dee Dee Sharp's record. But since the Monster Mash was a parody and thus protected as free speech, there was no lawsuit this time. For me, the magic of Monster Mash, what makes it entertaining, is that Bobby Pickett's record parodies Mash Potato Time by turning it into a song about the movie monster craze. The monsters have all gotten together to party at Dr. Frankenstein's place and learned a new dance called the Monster Mash. Bobby Pickett does most of the record in his Boris Karloff voice, except for one line, which is really the record's most brilliant moment. At the end of the fourth verse, in the exact same spot where Dee Dee Sharp exclaimed about they even do it to Dear Lady Twist, Bobby Pickett suddenly stops imitating Boris Karloff and takes on the persona of Bella Lugosi, the original Universal Dracula, asking, Whatever happened to my Transylvania twist? It's now the match. That line has a certain poignancy for hardcore twist lovers because Bobby Pickett was consciously commenting on the fact that the twist had by this point become passe. By the time Monster Mash hit number one in late October of 1962, all the twist records were gone from the charts, and the kids were on to other dances like The Swim or The Locomotion. And Chubby Checker would never have another top ten record after an incredible two-year run during which he'd had eight of them. Coming up, the Monster Mash mysteriously reappears at the top of the charts, and we're joined by TV's iconic wolf boy, Eddie Munster, a.k.a. Butch Patrick. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Rain or shine, every day is a great day for fishing, right? You got rain gear, but you can't overlook sunny day gear. A Columbia PFG Solar Stream Elite hoodie has you covered on the sunniest days. Like literally. I mean, who wouldn't trade a sunburn for a trophy fish? But why do it if you don't have to? 
especially when this Solar Stream Elite hoodie is built with broad spectrum UV protection. We're talking UPF 50, and it has airflow so you don't overheat. And what's the alternative? Putting down the rod every half hour so you can slather on some sunscreen. Seems like an easy choice to me. Columbia PFG has you covered with their Castback TC shoe. Its OmniMax cushioning and traction system helps if you're on your feet a lot, say, fighting a fish. Not to mention keeping you sure-footed on a wet, rocking boat. So if you're going to be spending long days out on the water, and I sincerely hope that you will be, head over to Columbia.com PFG and shop all their performance fishing gear. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snagajob is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, temp to hire, part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. After Bobby Pickett and fellow member of the Cordials, Lenny Capizzi, wrote Monster Mash, they shopped around for a record label to produce it. They were turned down by label after label until they finally approached Gary S. Paxton, who had produced them as the Cordials. Paxton agreed to produce the record and release it on his Gar Pax record label. Gary Paxton knew how to produce a novelty record, that's for sure, and he worked his magic with Bobby Pickett using the sound of pulling a rusty nail out of a plank of wood to replicate the sound of a coffin opening, and having someone blow bubbles through a straw to imitate a bubbling cauldron. Paxton also brought in some of L.A.'s best session musicians to play on the record, in place of Pickett's non-existent backing group, The Crypt Kickers. There have been rumors swirling for decades that legendary piano player Leon Russell played on Monster Mash, but actually, those are not true. Although Leon Russell had been booked to play on the session, he showed up late and only managed to play on the record's flip side, Monster Mash Party. Riding the wave of the monster craze, Monster Mash went to number one on the Hot 100 for two weeks in October 1962, just in time for Halloween. While Bobby Pickett would never scale such lofty heights again, the monster craze continued up through the mid-60s. But it too would finally pass its expiration date, with parody at the end becoming its main form of expression. On TV, there were comedies about the Addams Family, And The Munsters, produced by Universal Television and using a lot of the old Universal monster sets. The 
As the actor who played the world's most beloved werewolf boy, Eddie Munster, Butch Patrick had a front row seat and starring role in the monster craze of the 1960s. You know, I was born in 1953, so the early movies that I remember were basically the classic Universal monster movies. You know, they were the they were the you know the monster studio. They did them very well, but it was also uh, in the 50s. There was a lot of atomic radiation. You know, like giant ants and Godzilla and the thing, and there's a lot of great stuff going on. So between the monsters and the sci-fi movies, it was a great time to go to the Saturday matinees and enjoy movies. And I enjoyed them all. And I also built the models from Aurora who specialized in the, uh, in the monsters. I built them all. I started off with Frankenstein. Oh, actually, I think, I think the first one I built was uh, Dracula, then the Wolfman, then Frankenstein. And then they had them all, you know, they had the creature, they had the Phantom of the Opera, pretty much the Invisible Man. Most of them, um, that was the hard one to build, the Invisible Man, because he, you couldn't see him. <laughs> and by the time he was 11, the kid who loved playing with monsters would be playing one on one of television's biggest hit shows. People will come up to me and they'll say, you know, I love your show. It was my favorite show or my dad's favorite show or my grandma's favorite show. And here, you know, here we are 57 uh, years later. Um, and, and who would have thought that a little two-year series with 70 episodes would be one of the heavily merchandised show of all time and still be popular with the likes of Rob Zombie and Paul McCartney, everybody enjoying it. And I'm just happy to be to have been part of it. The Munsters were also part of the scene that melded music with monsters. The Munsters had a very cool theme song, was very rock and roll, and people remember it vividly. You may or may not know this, but the Munsters theme has been recorded and re-recorded over 150 times. done by the Boston Pops. It's been done by the London Philharmonic. It's actually Brian Setzer and his orchestra uses it as the opening song when he goes on tour. Fallout Boy recently just used the Munsters theme. It's amazing the uh, the music and that kind of stuff that uh, the longevity it's had. And influence it's had, reaching all the way to children's cartoons. Even the Flintstones, who would seem to have more in common with Alley Oop than Universal Monsters, jumped on the bandwagon. What's new with the Flintstones? Lots of things. Like the most horrendous, hilarious, and gruesome family you ever met. In fact, that's their name. The Gruesomes. And the voice of Boris Karloff himself added a touch of authenticity to the 1967 animated film Mad Monster Party. Even legendary radio DJ Wolfman Jack's jive-talking mid-60s radio persona was a tribute to his Universal Monster namesake. <laughs> oh, it's Wolfman Jack's show, baby. I hope all you people take it down on your pictures because we're going to be playing some of that bounce-off-the-wall music, baby. Before retiring at the end of the 60s and selling their company to Nabisco, 
the founders of Aurora Plastics Corporation had a few more flush years creating movie monsters under license from Universal Pictures. The Mummy model kit came out in 1963 to huge success, followed by The Creature from the Black Lagoon, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, and Godzilla. Aurora released their final monster model kits in 1966, this time in collaboration with Famous Monsters of Filmland magazine, which by this point was also running on fumes. The classic monsters, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, Bram Stoker's Dracula, etc., would of course live on. But not many remember that there was a time when cultural references to Frankenstein reflexively meant the Boris Karloff version from Shock Theater. Horror films themselves would soon enter a whole new era, as Rosemary's Baby in 1968 and The Exorcist in 1973, along with all those that followed, would scare audiences without featuring Dracula or the Wolfman. However, Universal has made attempts to reboot their shared monster movie universe over the years. Most notable was the 2004 film Van Helsing, starring Hugh Jackman, which featured Frankenstein's monster, Dracula, the werewolf, and Jekyll and Hyde. He's the first one to kill a vampire in over a hundred years. I'd say that sent him a drink. Through it all, though, the popularity of the monster mash has endured. The Beach Boys kept it alive throughout the 1960s, playing it regularly in concert with Mike Love doing an imitation of Bobby Pickett imitating Boris Karloff. I was working in the lab late one night when my eyes beheld when my monster from his slab began to rise And suddenly, to my surprise As for Bobby Pickett himself, hot off the 1962 Halloween success of Monster Mash, he rushed out Monster's Holiday in time for Christmas that year, making it up to number 30 on the singles chart with a song that basically sounded like the Monster Mash with sleigh bells. But they were up to no good didn't act like good monsters should. They found themselves a new prey. They planned to rob Santa's sleigh. They were making a list. He kept releasing monster-themed singles for the next few years with diminishing success. A year after Monster Mash, the twist-inspired dance craze fever itself would disappear just as quickly as it came, replaced by Beatlemania and all that followed in its wake. And though the Beatles did have early hits with their covers of Twist and Shout and Please Mr. Postman, they soon led the culture in another direction entirely, leaving the dance craze era a quaint but fading memory. But the Monster Mash itself lived on. It was reissued in 1970 and grazed the bottom of the Hot 100. Then, in the spring of 1973, it mysteriously reappeared, this time staying on the chart for 20 weeks and making it into the top 10 in the middle of August. At that same time, it even hit the top 10 in England, where it was banned by the BBC on its initial release for being too morbid. Now, the timing of the spring and summer 1973 resurgence of the Monster Mash makes it clear that its popularity this time had nothing at all to do with Halloween. So what was it that shot the record back into the top 10? I have actually discussed this question with numerous pop music experts over the years, but not one of them can provide a definitive answer. There are lots of theories, though, ranging from the Monster Mash being lumped in with the revival of pre-Beatles rock and roll that was sweeping the country at that time, to the record benefiting from the Los Angeles debut of a radio show focusing on the bizarre, hosted by a man named Barry Hansen, better known as Dr. Demento. 
Hello there, this is Dr. Demento. We're on the radio here. Airplay on the Dr. Demento show certainly helped bring back another twisted 1960s record, They're Coming to Take Me Away, Haha, which also recharted in 1973. They're coming to take me away, haha. They're coming to take me away, ho ho, hee hee, ha ha, to the happy home with trees and flowers and chirping birds and basket weavers who sit and smile and twiddle their thumbs and toes and they're coming to take me away. But no one can say for sure what brought the Monster Mash back. What we do know is the song started to get airplay on two radio stations in Milwaukee in April of 1973, and the phones at both stations went wild. By early May, the record label rushed it into re-release. Billboard magazine noticed the record's resurgence in its May 12th issue, speculating that, Maybe with Watergate and other scandals in the headlines, today's impressionable young listeners find humor in the music. What else do they have to laugh about? Now, that theory may sound a little far-fetched, but no less a figure than Bobby Pickett himself agreed with it. In 1973, Bobby Pickett was driving a cab in New York City, and he commented to the press on the renewed popularity of his song by saying, At this point in time, with what's coming down with Watergate, people need some relief from the tension that's building up. Be that as it may, off the back of the song's return to the charts, Bobby Pickett went on tour that year with a new version of the Crip Kickers. And in 1984, he endeavored to bring his monster theme madness to yet another new generation by recording the hip-hop-flavored Monster Rap, which failed to get much attention. But Pickett's original hit has cemented its place in music history, and in the hearts of countless fans. In a wonderful example of monster worlds colliding, Bobby Pickett and Butch Patrick, TV's own Eddie Munster, actually crossed paths. I didn't meet Bobby until I was an adult, we, you know, until I was in my 30s. I not only remember the record, but when it came out, I loved it. Uh, you know, there was a lot of great old music. It was, it's, it, and there was so much stuff going on in the 60s. And, uh, you know, he would always make fun of that Elvis called it the stupidest song he ever heard. And then he would say, and Elvis, if you're listening, I'm still here. <laughs> he was a really, really wonderful guy. And he really was proud of what he had done. And, and he was great with the fans and people loved it. Bobby Pickett died in 2007, but his greatest creation, The Monster Mash, lives on to this day as the ultimate Halloween song. It's funny, The Monster Mash was originally conceived as a way to capitalize on two then-current pop culture fads. And yet, history has pretty much forgotten the universal monster craze, and The Mashed Potatoes is now an obscure oldie. But The Monster Mash? Well, everyone knows the Monster Mash, which managed to transcend both of its inspirations to stand on its own as a classic of sorts, even as those two fads evaporated into the mists of cultural obscurity. Halloween comes every year, after all, and there are no other classic Halloween songs, to the best of my knowledge, so I suppose it had no competition. And kids still do think it's funny. You'll find over 50 versions of the Monster Mash on the major music streaming services, there's even a version by John, the cool ghoul, Zachary. I can't think of another example in pop culture of a parody so outliving and outshining its inspirations that people no longer even remember it was ever intended as a parody. And that has got to bring a fiendish smile to the face of Bobby Pickett. Then you can monster mash. 
up this episode of Speed of Sound. Next time, we'll jump forward to the 1990s to explore how the music world pivoted from grunge and alternative to welcome back teen pop, with acts like the Spice Girls, Hanson, and the Backstreet Boys leading the way. This one is filled with great stories, as well as some very special guests. Don't miss it. If you want to take a deeper dive into the artists and songs you just heard, check out our curated playlist at the Speed of Sound page on the iHeart app. Until next time, you can find me on Twitter at Stevie G Pro. Speed of Sound is executive produced by Lauren Bright Pacheco, Noel Brown, and me. Taylor Shacoin is our supervising producer, editor, and sound designer. Additional sound design by Tristan McNeil. And special thanks to filmmaker Ron Mann for use of an excerpt from his excellent documentary, Twist. I'm Steve Greenberg. Until next time, keep listening for music that moves you. Speed of Sound is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This is Malcolm Gladwell from Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. With some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.